0: this podcast is produced by Audiophy.
1: welcome to vida church live the podcast where we hope to help you know god find freedom discover purpose and make a difference thanks for tuning in let's start the show
2: Welcome to Vita's Podcast. We're so excited that you are joining us for the first podcast of the year in 2020. I am Deacon Denise shaverts and I serve in several ministries, including the prayer team, Treasury, and so many others. And we have Minister Jonathan in the house. Woo!
0: How's it going, everybody? If this is your first time listening to us, then... We would love for you guys to like us, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any other podcasts we have coming out and also share with all your friends so they can enjoy it as well. I also serve as um, our head of our children's ministry, which is fabulous. If you have kids at home, please bring them in. I
2: guarantee they will have a blast downstairs. So excited, please bring your kids. In this podcast, I want you all to know that you're going to get to meet all my fellow brothers and sisters, and they'll be joining us in future podcasts to come. I'm excited to hear what they would have to say as well.
0: And our goal is to give you guys enough of the Vida experience so that you you guys would want to visit us in person. You know, we're we're a church located here in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, and our services start at 10 in the morning. Today's sermon is called The Last Minute Hero." And Bishop is going to be talking about the two men who were crucified with Jesus. One man who died as he lived, a thief, a liar, and a sinner.
2: But that other one who died, he died as a last-minute hero. Let's go to the altar and learn and hear about the last-minute hero.
1: I believe that there's time for a last-minute miracle in someone's life. Amen. I believe that, that God can can still turn you into a, a, a last-minute hero. Praise God. Uh-huh. At the end of the year, we're all talking about change. We're all thinking about change. And there was this older man, old man came down from the mountains. He took a trip over to the big city. And for the first time in his life, he found himself standing out of an elevator. He'd never seen an elevator in his entire life. And he watched an old, haggard woman hobble into the to the elevator and it closed and it went up, and a couple minutes later, the same doors opened, and a beautiful young woman walks out. And he was amazed by this. And so he says to his grandson that was with him, Boy, go run and get your grandmother. I gotta run her through that thing. <laughs> it's so interesting that most of us will always talk about change for someone else. But that wrinkly old man never for a moment thought about putting himself in it to change himself. He wanted his wife to be young. You know what would have happened if that old lady would have been young and she saw that old man waiting for him? (laughs) We're always thinking about changing other people. But the only change that you can control is a change within yourself. Amen, somebody? Don't you wish change was easy? if change was easy, people would have the lives that they wanted. Without any real hustle, without any real fuss, you'd be able to have it. We look within ourselves and we see so many things that we want to change, that need to change. And I'm not talking about physical appearance. while well, physical appearance is certainly a part of it. But most of us struggle with our attitudes and our thoughts and our emotions. And, 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 we, and we handle what we're struggling with, all this stuff like addiction and anger and we, we struggle with fear and frustrations and our old habits. And, and we're, we're, we're dealing with the frustrations of, of our gambling and our drugs and our attitudes. And our old relationships and our old language. And some of us are just so fed up with the lust and the pornography and the secret sins. These lists go on and on of things that we would love to change about ourselves. And often we say that we want to change. And some people even put some effort into trying to change. We may even try to change ourselves. We start to to change by trying to change our behavior, but changing your behavior doesn't change you within. You can act like a good boy, but if you're a bad boy, you're going to come out. You're going to be who you are no matter what. So you might as well spend the time and the energy in changing your inner self before you start working on your outer self, your behavior. Amen? But ultimately, our best attempt to change are fleeting and unsuccessful. Most of us have a hard time changing. Let me see the hands of those people that have tried to change but are stuck somewhere. Amen. It's 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 no shame in it. Everybody, everybody wants to change. Everybody wants to improve. Amen. There's nobody in this room who is exactly how they want to be. Amen. There's always a journey. As a matter of fact, if you don't want to change, you become complacent, amen? And complacency is very, very dangerous for a believer. The problem with, with, with wanting to change is that the change that we want comes from suffering. There's a pain in your heart. There's a pain in your life, and, and your attitude and your behavior is causing other people pain, or worse, other people's actions are causing you pain and you're suffering. And so you come to God from a place of suffering. And you come to God and say, I don't want to deal with this no more. I'm tired of this. Now, there are two ways to respond to suffering. Two kinds of responses to our own personal suffering. Number one, we can rail against God and we can say, you know what? If you were such a great and powerful God, if you were so awesome If you were so loving the way they say, if you were so, 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 so wanting to be with me the way that song talked about, man, if you want to do that, you wouldn't put me through the hell that I'm in. That's one way to deal with suffering. The other way to deal with suffering is acknowledging that we're sinners and that we don't deserve any good thing. We don't deserve it. Amen. We cry out for mercy and help in our time of desperation. The world is full of, of people who rail against God in their self-righteousness, and they presume that the creator of the universe is obligated to help them. They, they come to God, and they say, why don't you? And they expect God to make their life smooth and easy. That's why I get worried when people come to church, and people start to tell me, ever since I started coming to this church, things have been so great. I go, uh-oh. This person is a feel-good Christian. This person thinks that this church is responsible for making their life smooth. Oh, no, what are they going to do when they find out that they're still going to have to deal with problems, that they're still going to have to suffer in this world? Amen? If God is good when things are good, does that mean that God is bad when things are bad? Absolutely not. God is good. One of the things that we tried to teach you this year is that God is good, absolutely and totally good. In other words, all good things come from God. And no bad things can come from God. Amen. That's the position of faith that we need to understand. No bad thing comes from God. God doesn't send bad things to us. He only sends the good things. Amen. And, and, and as a matter of fact, he'll take what the devil sends your way, which is the bad stuff. He'll take your decisions and your actions, which are the bad things, and he'll work them out for your good. But God is a good God. Amen? But because we believe that he's good, some of us have taken this self-righteous presumption that God owes me. God owes me a good life. God owes, you know what, if God loves me, then he's not going to make me suffer. And if he makes me suffer, then I'm not going to serve him because he's not that good anyhow. Uh-huh. There are only a few who own up to the fact that God owes them nothing. Let me tell you something with love in my heart. God doesn't owe you jack. <laughs> you know, God does not owe us anything. Amen. As a matter of fact, you're taking for granted the stuff that he's given you. Every morning you wake up. And that's a gift from God. Every time you inhale, you've got breath. That's a gift from God. That sun that you love to bathe in, that's a gift from God. That water—that's that, a gift from God. All these things God didn't have to, but He did. And 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 beyond holding the sun in its place and telling the waves to stop at the beach, Amen. Other than that, God doesn't owe you anything. This—that's kind of mean for the last sermon of the year.
2: Hmm.
1: I think that in Luke. I think that in Luke. We—it's rec- recorded the story of. Two thieves that teach us uh, that there's a great reward responding to suffering, like the second way, the, 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 the person that doesn't expect anything from God. Let, let me just, let me, let me teach you. Notice that, that in the cross, Jesus is, is on the cross, and to his left and to his right, there are two thieves. Amen? everybody know the story? That there's a thief to the left and a thief to the, to the right of Jesus. So, so there are three people being crucified. Jesus is in the center. Both are suffering, just like Jesus is suffering. They're all suffering the pain of crucifixion. Jesus is feeling all the pain. Jesus is feeling the nails and the crown of thorns. He's feeling his body getting dehydrated as blood spills from him. He feels himself weakening, just like the other two. The other two are being in the same place. Both are guilty of crimes. Bible says, we are receiving the due reward for our deeds, one of them proclaims. Both see Jesus and they both see the sign over his head. King of kings. I'm sorry. King of the Jews, it says. And they hear the words from his mouth. Father, forgive them. Hmm. And both of them, these thieves, want desperately to be saved from death. Uh huh. Just like all of us. I want to talk to you about the first thief. The first thief Says, aren't you Jesus the Christ? Save yourself and us. What a picture of spiritual uh, destitute and the worldly man. That's that that's it's a matter of a total indifference to him. He's totally indifferent to Jesus Himself. He's just saying, if you can get out of it, he's not proclaiming Jesus as deity. He's saying, if you can, if you're supposed to be so great. Get yourself out of this. And by the way, get me out of this too. Uh, To him, right and wrong, praise and blame, good and bad are no interest. To the first thief, it doesn't matter if Jesus is or isn't the son of God. If he can get him down, that's what he wants. He just wants to use him as an escape. That's what he wants. And a lot of people at the end of the year, they're coming to Jesus as, all right, now it's time to save the year. Come on, God, do what you do. Mm-hmm. he might even believe that Jesus is the Messiah the king of the Jews but, but it's only a matter of convenience to him he'll take anybody as king it, w- it would have been a frog up there and if they would have told him he can get him off the cross he would have told the frog he's a king he just wanted to get out of it and some folks just don't want to go to hell and like the first thief you're saying okay if you're the king keep me out of hell save me Save me, why don't you? There's a way one whole segment of humans relates to God and suffering. Suffering interprets their private worldly goals and, 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 their, and their pleasures. It, it interrupts all the stuff of their life. They don't like the suffering. So, so why not try God? Some folks are here and they're saying, well, I tried everything else. Why not try God? Why not say that he's the king? If he can get me down, I'll try anything. Uh Uh-huh. The thief had no spirit of brokenness. He had no feeling of guilt of the things that he did. He didn't have any penitence or humility. He didn't humble himself. He didn't cry out for forgiveness. He just said, I don't want to die. Save me. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how many of us approach God. We approach him and saying, I just don't want to suffer. Make my life easy. I don't like like the pain. Because of your grace and your mercy, I'm allowed to do bad things. And at the end of the day, I can ask you to forgive me, and you forgive me, and I expect everybody else in my life to forgive me too. It's an entitlement position toward forgiveness. We just expect people to give us another chance after they've given us another chance chance and another chance. That's how some thieves (laughs) relate to God, Jesus Christ on the cross. He didn't see him as king. He didn't see him a king worthy to be followed. It never entered his mind that he should say that, that he was sorry for the things that he did. He just wanted to be saved. The second thief, I want you to notice that this other thief this one is the one that Luke wants you to, to be like. First, he is not stuck in by what other people complain. He doesn't get sucked in by what other people complain. You know, there's some people that they're, they're just fine with your life. And then as soon as you hear somebody complain, you go, Yeah, that's true. And you get sucked into the vortex of negativity. You are fine. You were doing well until someone started spewing something negative. (laughs) And, 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 And the easiest thing to do is to get sucked up and say, that's true. If God is so good, why? He didn't do that. The second thief doesn't fall into it. He doesn't get sucked into the complaining like everybody else. There's some people that come to the church and they start loving the church until they get together with somebody that's old in the church and they complain. And all of a sudden, all the rosy eyes that they used to have about the church all have been contaminated by a complainer. Let me tell you something. Stay away from the complainers. Stay away from the people that no matter what will not take responsibility for their own lives. All they want to do is complain about everybody else. Stay away from them because they have a negative energy that will will just suck you in they'll draw you in and you'll be all of a sudden you'll be that person standing in the side of the way and and, and complaining about everybody else while you do nothing so worst thing about critics all they do is talk they never get in the game they never do something all they do is criticize don't allow yourself at the end of the year don't allow yourself to end the year complaining about how tough it was how hard it was how many things went wrong don't do it don't be like the first thief, be like the second thief. He doesn't get sucked in by the negativity of the other. Amen somebody. Says if you are God, this is what people say, if if, if you were if you are God, then why why are 20 people being killed in Atlanta? And and if you are God, why why are 16 minors being buried in, in Salvador? And, and if you are God, why 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 can't you come down and help if you're God. The first thing the repentant thief does is he doesn't give in to the negative talk. But he actually rebukes him. He, he's on the other side of Jesus and he looks over Jesus and he looks at that fool complaining and he rebukes him. He says, don't you fear God? Listen, our job as believers, our job as as." Believers who suffer, because all of us suffer, our job is to be loyal to God. And when people start complaining, just look at them and say, don't you fear the Lord? I'm suffering too. I can't make rent too. I'm in the same boat as you. You know, I've got my problems just like you do. But I'm not going to sit here and judge God. Amen. He says, don't you fear the Lord? This is the second thing about the penitent, the penitent, he, he fears God. God was real to him, as he's hanging there on the cross. God is his Creator. As he's hanging there on the, he knows that the pot can't take arms against the Potter. The pot, the pot can't wage war on the Potter. No, 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 no. no. You can't do that and come away victorious. It is fitting that 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 creatures bow in submission before their creator. Amen. And, 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 and it is even more fitting that sinners, we, we bow before a holy God instead of railing against them in sort of being a, 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 like an ant. You know, how, how could an ant stand before Mount Everest and demand for it to be flattened so they can walk straight? Ants don't have that power and you don't have that power. To judge God. To complain against God. He's greater than us. He's greater than us. Third, the penitent thief admits that he had done wrong. And this is where it gets hard for all of us. All of us will say, well, God didn't do it. And we're going to look at all the people that let us down. But we are so slow to write a list of the things that we did to ourselves in 2019. What about the times that you made plans and you didn't go through with it? What are the times that you lied to your own self? What about the times when you said you'd do something and you didn't come through for yourself? Mm -hmm. Oh, we can sit here and blame God for all the things we think he didn't do, but we will not take a look at ourselves and say, you know what, this is my fault. Somebody today has to take ownership of their life and say, you know what, this is my fault. That's what the thief did feared the Lord, and he took resp- personal responsibility. Oh, this is something that doesn't preach real easy, but it preaches good into your soul. Because you can, you can, you can rail about your financial woes this year. You can rail about your health. You can rail about all this stuff, but at the end of the day, how much of this is your fault? Don't you owe it to yourself to own up to your mistakes this year? Instead of just blaming others, don't you think it's almost comical when you see other people making mistakes and doing wrong, ignoring good advice, just spending money crazily, and then at the end of the day they come crying to you, Oh my God, I need God to bless me. Oh my God. You know, I've been praying, but God's not answering my, my prayers. I gave my, one, my tithes once this year. Where's God? Let's, let's be real. Most of us are dealing with the mess we made. And the beauty of the, of the second man on the cross is that he took ownership for his mistakes. Oh, this ain't a pretty message, but this is an important message for us. Because, because I can look at my wife and blame her for all the things that I perceive that she did wrong. But, but at the end of the day, my life is my life. And I've got to take ownership, extreme ownership, over my decisions and my life. And man, it's important for us to learn from that. Learn from this guy. The third thing, he admitted that he had done wrong. Listen to what he says. We are receiving the due reward for our deeds. We're receiving it. I did this. God didn't do it. God warned me. I heard Jesus preaching on the mountain. I heard about the miracles that he was doing. But I never went to see him. I did this to me. And, and, and some folks may say, well, Bishop, you're being a little bit fatalistic. You know what? There's an amount of responsibility that you need to take for your life, and that is not fatalistic. That's called being responsible. And if more of us did this, we our, our society would be in a better place. And more of us did this, our, we would be in a better spiritual place in our lives. He said, I did this to me. Nobody else did it to me. He had no desire to save face anymore he wasn't worried about who's going to say what about he's already hanging on the cross what are they going to say what more can they say he had no more will to assert himself he was here laid open before God he it was it was it man this was it he's coming at the end of his life he's about to die time is running out soon he would be dead why pretend anymore? Why pretend he was here laid open before God and he was just willing to just say, it's me, I did this to me. It was me that stole. It was I that broke the law. It was I that cheated. It was I that did it. And I need to take responsibility for what I did this year. I know people right now who are in trouble, but instead of laying down their self-righteous defense, they are devising every means To finagle and distort so that it appeared, so that they appear innocent and cool. Oh, I didn't do anything. Oh, oh, I don't know how I got to. Come on, man. You're a big boy. Come on, man. We're not kids anymore. Own it. Own it. The first and most important thing for you to do in order to get God's favor is to own your mistakes. That's called repenting. I realize what I've done and I'm sorry. Amen. The penitent thief gave it all up. says, I deserve this. I deserve to be on this cross. I did it. You know, they say that every person in jail is innocent. Right? But it's the ones that can say, I did it. It's the ones that can say, you know what? I got caught. I was stupid, but the truth is, I did wrong. Those are the ones that when they come out, they'll change their lives. The ones that consider that, that continue to think they're guilty will get out and do it again. You may not have been in prison, but you've been in another type of prison. You may not have been behind walls or behind bars, but there are walls and bars in your heart and in your soul. And your lies have put you there. And your and your and your lack of, of owning your own life has put you there. I want to preach freedom to you today. Listen to what he says. We are under the sentence of condemnation justly. We did it. We did this. How can you disrespect an innocent man? How can you disrespect the son of God? This is the real test of humility before God, my brothers and sisters. It's not all the worship. Worship is important. But all of that worship that we did prepares your heart for what I'm talking about right now. Worship, worship is what worked the ground and, 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 and hallowed the ground and prepared the ground for the seed that I'm depositing in it now. All that worship and singing and crying we did was in preparation to hear this word, take it, and make it germinate and give fruit. Amen. Amen. Many, with their mouth, confessed their sins. God, be merciful to this miserable sinner. But when some trouble comes, we get angry at God. And this anger reveals that we don't really feel undeserved before God. We we don't really feel like we did anything wrong. Our anger manifests our self-righteousness. When things go bad and we get angry, that anger you feel is self-righteousness. I'm preaching to somebody. It's your self-righteousness. I don't, somebody has said this, I don't deserve this. In other words, I deserve a good life. I deserve to be forgiven. I just, des- you don't deserve Jack. We don't deserve his mercy. He gave it to us while we were still enemies of his. None of us deserve it. None of us. Man, I'm preaching hard today. I thought I was going to be happy and cute. There are not a lot of people like Job anymore. Actually, never were. Job lost everything. He lost everything. And you know what he said? Put it up. I think it's in the screen there. I want you to read this with me. I want you to say what Job said. Can you see that in the screen? Let's say this with me together. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the attitude of the second thief at the end of his life. But this penitent thief became like Job at the end. This last minute miracle, this last minute hero. He took his suffering without complaint. I deserve this. I'm going to fear God. And I'm going to acknowledge that the pain that I'm going to have to go through, I deserve it. That ain't easy to say. That ain't easy to say. But the fifth thing that the repentant sinner did was he acknowledged Jesus' righteousness. He said, this man has done no wrong. I can't blame him for my life. I can't blame him for my mistakes. I'm going to take responsibility. I didn't make... It didn't make any difference to the first thief, whether Jesus was Christ, was innocent or guilty. He didn't matter. All he wanted Jesus to be was the the driver of the getaway car. (laughs) All all I need Jesus to be is the driver. Don't tell me how to live my life. Don't tell me if I'm good or bad. Don't tell me if my my life pleases you or not. No, just drive the getaway car. I just don't want to go to hell. That's it. Your job, Jesus, is to keep me out of hell. My job is to have a good life, have fun, do the things I want to do. (laughs) Amen. But it matters a lot to Jesus if we think that his life was good or bad. It matters a lot for us, to Jesus, that if we think and we praise him because he's good. It matters. matters. Jesus doesn't want you to, to give up. To look at him as the getaway car driver. He wants you to follow him because you admire him, because you love him, because you realize what he's done for you. We got to say like that thief. This man has done no wrong. Let me, l- l- let's do a little exercise. Can we, just, can we just accept that whatever happened in 2019, the bad things that happened to us, Jesus didn't do it to us? That we did it? Maybe other people did it? There's no such real thing as, as luck. Right, bad luck or good luck, you know. Bible says you you reap what you sow. That's what the Bible says. Amen. And if you and if you didn't, if you sowed rotten seed, you're gonna re- reap a, a rotten harvest. And you have the life that you sowed for. Amen. The man only comes to God and he says, you know what? He did no wrong. I I I I, I admit it. And the sixth thing that he does, he takes it a step further. And he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He begins to call him king. He acknowledges Jesus. Now many of us here today can acknowledge Jesus as king. But it's different when you're hanging in a cross next to him. And he's bleeding just like you. And he's dying just like you. And he's been convicted just like you. And he's been stoned just like you. And next to him, you say you are the king. Oh my God, what faith. Oh, what faith to believe. Even when it looks like God is nothing extraordinary, that Jesus is going through the same thing that I did. What faith it takes for him to say, remember me when you come to your kingdom, you are a king and I acknowledge you as king. Even though he's suffering now, Jesus has the marks of a king. And for those who have eyes to see it, he has the power, even here on the cross, a power of love that makes him king over all things. He's not only good, guys, he's powerful. And one day, he will vindicate his name, his great name. And every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess that he is Lord. Finally, The penitent thief goes and says one more thing. He fears God. He admits his wrong. He accepted justice. He acknowledges the goodness of God and the power of Jesus and now he pleads to him. Lord, remember me. Please, remember me. Both thieves wanted to be saved from death but oh how different they sought their salvation. One, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save me. What good are you if you can't save me? What good are you if you can't get me out of this situation? What kind of God would leave me on the cross? That's the first one. The second one says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's an infinite qualitative difference between save me and save me. Same words, different Heart. How do you take responsibility? All right, Bishop, you convinced me. I'm responsible for the bad of my life. Okay, you talked me into it. I admit it. I did some bad things and I haven't taken responsibility of it. So, how do I take responsibility for it? First thing you do is repent. You say sorry for the people that you hurt, to the people that you hurt. If you hurt them, say sorry. Stop making excuses. Stop justifying yourself by what other people did to you. Well, I'm only like this because my father did. You know what? That carries weight to a certain place. But at the end of the day, it's your decision. It's your actions, and you need to. You can't apologize for your father's actions, but you can apologize for yours. Amen. Now, what motivates Jesus? Uh, to, to forgive this, this, this penitent thief, there's a, a, a fearful silence toward Jesus. He, he, he's, he's, he reaches out to Jesus out of his pain. He no longer judges people. He's no longer blaming, uh, you know, uh, all the people. He's blaming himself, and he's coming to Jesus and saying, I'm sorry, please remember me when you're going. To... And so Jesus says to him, today you will be in paradise with me this very day. The reward for him is instant. The reward of repentance comes instantly, but you've got to come to a place of repentance. You can't expect the reward without the repentance. You can't, go, you can't expect the blessings of God without first coming to him and saying, I understand. This is almost too good, guys. This is almost too good that when you accept your responsibility and you ask God to forgive you and you ask the people that you hurt to forgive you, God is not going to make you wait for a reward. He's going to forgive you on the spot. You don't have to walk through, through, through miles uh, uh, kneeling on, 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 on rocks. You get forgiven instantly. Today, the spirit of Jesus and the renewed spirit of the thief would be that would be in, in paradise. Today, it is a lesson to us. It's time for a last-minute hero, and I believe that you're the last-minute hero. The year's almost done. And, and I got news for you. Everybody's expecting for the new year to bring a whole new thing. It's just another day, guys. The new year doesn't change anything without a new you. There's nothing that changes in 2020. Nothing. If you don't prepare yourself to be different in 2020. If you keep sowing the same seeds, guess what you're going to get? The same fruit. So, so at the end of the year, I believe it's time for us to kind of come to this place. Did we get the video up? We have the video I got this video that I want to show you, and, it, and it's a sports metaphor, and after we see the video, I'll, I'll come back and talk to you about it, but, but, but put yourself in the, in, in the, in the, in the position of, of being the last-minute hero. We're almost at the last day of the year, and I want you to put yourself as that man on the cross, the last-minute hero, looking for a last-minute miracle. Let's watch this. off. Portland has a timeout. Lillard, a chance to send the Thunder home. Lillard, long-range three, and it's good at the buzzer! Damian Lillard, are you kidding me? Uh Toss to White. Touchdown! Patriots win the Super Bowl! Brady has his fifth! What a comeback!
2: Here's the 0-1. This is going to be a
1: tough play. Brian, the Cubs win the World Series. Brian makes the play. It's over. And the Cubs have finally won it all. 8-7-10. Amen. My point in showing that video is there had to be someone at the last moment to believe that they could. They could. They believe fate, they, they could change fate by making a swing, by taking that last shot. These are what we call last-minute miracles. We call those moments miracles. And the person that that does it is a last-minute hero. At the end of the year, as the last Sunday of the year, this is the 52nd Sunday that we've been together, I submit to you that you can take the position of the second thief on the cross. Take responsibility. Stop blaming everybody else. Acknowledge Jesus as Savior. Repent from your sins. And then you get to enter into paradise. And be a part of heaven's citizenship.
2: That was awesome. I just love to hear the newness of what God is doing in our lives. But you know, I gotta say, I didn't expect to be here today. I came here for a meeting, and um, here I am yeah. on the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but it's a great thing, it is a wonderful thing, and you know, next next week we get to hear about the beginning no, a beginning a new chapter, and I am so excited to hear and and get whatever God will have because you know, just knowing that we we can be last minute heroes i mean we can take that in any part of our lives what do you think about minister
0: i think it sounds great um i really do hope you guys enjoyed um, today's sermon and please come back next week it's going to be a powerful message and i promise it will impact your life thank you guys we'll see you next week
2: god bless you
1: Thank you for listening to the Vida Church Live podcast. Contact us at infovida.church. At and please like, share, and subscribe wherever you're listening. This was Vida Church Live. Discover life.